Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Making Community Podcast with your hosts, Sing and Severite. And as it's the first one of the new year, Happy New Year to you all. Looking forward to the year ahead. We're very excited for 2022 and some excellent conversations with all the guests we hope to line up to talk about community. So, Mao, how have you been? I'll talk to you because Scott's not around because he's off at some jazz club or something, isn't he? What's with that? I, I don't know, but I'm very, very good. Thank you very much, Seth. And very happy to start the year with, with you too and our conversations with awesome, awesome people. Awesome. That's very good, my friend. I am thoroughly looking forward to the year ahead. And uh, yeah, we had a great, we had a great combo to close out 2021 with Rocio. So if you haven't caught up with that yet, folks, there's still time to ca- catch it on all our channels. Uh, that was a really good conversation uh, with uh, Rocio Brasidinho. So, Mao, who's our wonderful guest today? So, today we have the pleasure to talk with Alex Barker. She's a coach, facilitator, speaker, and author. And Alex joined Sam in 2019 to give life to the Be More Pirate as something beyond a book. So, here's our conversation that we had with Alex a couple days ago. Welcome, Alex. Uh, you know, really excited to have you here. We're talking about communities on the podcast. What communities are you part of? Okay, um, I'll just say that I've, aside from being more pirate, I am in openly. I'm in another group called Trust the People, which is a um, grassroots democracy movement uh, that supports people to do community organising. It's all about community, so this is apt for this. They've taught me a lot about how to to run a community as well um it, a bit of lots of really great crossover learning but they're uh, um, they were sort of an offshoot of extinction rebellion that have evolved um and tried to you know expand and be more inclusive involve more people in the um how to redistribute power to communities very interesting anyway i'm part i, I do the movement of movements part of that so i'm really the kind of bridge builder across lots of different groups and projects also in a kind of, you know, got a couple of WhatsApp groups that are more like closed communities, I'd say, where we, we talk about particular topics. So I've got another climate group, um, a couple of the other pirate groups where we kind of veer off into um, different, yeah, different themes of piracy, I'll say. Um, but yeah, more or, less, more or less along the same lines. I'd love to be part of a, a, a community that was more for me rather than for work as well like a yoga community or something but I, I don't I can't honestly say that I am oh I used to be in a writing group I was in a writing group for four years and that was lovely I've got one really good friend from that but um I had to leave once Be More Pirate became too busy I've been running Be More Pirate for I've been running it for about a year and a half I suppose uh, I now have the title of captain rather than right-hand pirate. So I, I begun my adventure in, in pirating in 2018 when I saw a job advert for a right-hand pirate, which I thought sounded fun, but I was personally in a place of a lot of disillusionment with organisations and how they're run at the time. Um, I felt that I had probably suffered under really poor organisational culture Um and I didn't really know where to go with that. I, I wasn't at the point of personal confidence in my ability to mutiny or challenge any rules or norms or anything like that. So I simply took a bit of time out to figure something out. And that's when I saw this advert for a right-hand pirate. I remembered Sam and the book because he'd come and done a talk at my my workplace, but I hadn't really paid much attention. So I, and, and if I'm in truth, I was a little bit skeptical about the book because it just looks like really good marketing it you know it's got the brilliant bright pink cover uh how to take on the world and win felt a bit clickbaity as a subtitle to me being truthful and so initially I sort of put it down but then I returned to it once I saw the job ad and thought okay let's let's dive into this and I yeah I thought I've never seen social change or change business change presented in this way before so I kind of got on board went to interview with Sam but was I think at that point my frustration was at boiling point anyway so I I directed that at him and said you know are you essentially are you going to be 
are you know are you really invested in this do you, are you going to put your money where your mouth is are you the real leader that we actually need because i've seen too many of them um be able to talk the talk without walking the walk you know so and we really needed it you know it was, it was 2018 we were post brexit post trump era whatever your politics um the polarization of people was was really felt it was really felt in london where i where i lived and uh, I just think we needed a different different model, a different way to talk about this altogether. Because one of the big things that um, I didn't experience when I was doing events and running communities and running networks around social change in my previous job was I, we were so hesitant to talk about anything that was uncomfortable. We really wouldn't touch the taboo topic. So it, was, it wasn't very inclusive. It wasn't very, um, it wasn't very radical. It wasn't very brave or pioneering in any way. And I really, I felt, I felt that that was a missing ingredient. And, and although I had absolutely no clue how I was going to lead the way on this, I didn't, I was like, I don't really have anything else to lose. Like, what else am I going to do here? What else? I'm just going to go around in circles and, and end up in the same point of disillusionment unless I take some bolder moves myself. And then I joined Sam. I had a big argument with my dad about it because he thought it was a risky move. He was like, you're going to be self-employed. You don't know this guy. He hasn't got a, a you know, stable company that you're joining. All the kind of stuff you're told about, like, this is the path forward for you. You've got to be going down the usual what route. A, what a rebel you are. Uh, well, is your, is your, dad really, quite, I mean, your dad quite risk averse? He's a lawyer. Is your dad a bit like Seth? Well, this is the thing, like, it's not, um, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very risky to some people. Some people were like, well, God, for God's sake, girl, you know, go and take a different path, do your own thing, which obviously I did. But it depends on your starting point, like risk is subjective, right? So everybody has a different starting point. And for me, that was a real deviation from where I thought I was going. Um, and everyone around me was telling me it would be risky. So it took, you know, something to, to move in a different direction. And that was great. And that was the beginning of it. And uh, being more pirate has been my life ever since. <laughs> I knew that it would be more than a job. Um, no, but it's definitely. more like, you know, it's philosophy. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're, we're really keen to explore that in, in this mm. conversation because I think it's a fascinating aspect of, you know, our kind of passion around how these sort of communities grow and, you know, the, the yeah. whole idea of kind of you know, assembling a crew and, you know, you, you kind of talk in your book about you know, the code, you know, and I really like the idea of code as a kind of, you know, Scott and I were doing Agile 20 Reflect Festival and, you know, came up with sort of guiding principles. So how do you do that, you know, in, in your context and create them in such a way that, you know, they're going to be, I, I guess, long lasting, you know, they're going to help you to achieve what you're trying to do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite keen for you to kind of just help our listeners kind of understand how do you go about doing that? What does that feel like for you? What, what tips do you have for them? Yes. Create a code. So, yeah, interesting. I'm doing a lot of work, like a lot of in-depth work on this at the moment because the code is, is the basis of your culture. So I'm doing a lot of work on organisational cultures as post-COVID that appears to be the, the go-to brief. <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to just go back to the idea of community first, because that is actually, that was, a, that was my starting point with Be More Pirate. I had run networks before. I had um, seen how you can quite easily put together, you know, bring a group of people together around an idea. Um, but creating an emotional connection with a, a concept or a, a, something to do, a, you know, a, um, something that will fuel action is, is far harder. Um, but there are you know, there are particular ways of going about that. And I think the two key things I'd learned about building communities in Be More Pirate was one was just the power of storytelling that I had seen so much how um, in presenting interesting ideas about change, even you know, behavioral science, um, social movements, it would always sort of start with this very factual um kind of presentation and people switch off within five minutes. You, you present it as pirates um, and you have an entirely different uh, response. And a lot of the things in Be More Pirate are, do you map across to other ideas and other movements, things like Agile, but it's the language. It's really key. It's that is the key. That's part of the success of creating emotional connection. You've got to find a story hook and, and 
change happens when people feel things rather than just because they cognitively think it. So you've, you've got to get under the skin of that. The second thing was um, using a kind of wheel spoke uh, approach to, to networks. What I'd realized what I was doing before in my previous organization was we were, we'd have this quite central nucleus as the brand or the organization. And then everybody, everyone in the membership of the network would be beyond that. So there was no, um, there was no layers to it. So what I have in Be More Pirate is I don't think of it as like, I'm Be More Pirate and then there's everybody else. I think of it like cruise, like a fleet of cruise. So people like you are captains. I would just, in my, in my mind, probably I have done in, in my documentation, describe you as captains because you have your own network. You have the Agile community, the, the group, the audience you're speaking to now, uh, all the people that you know who get your, um, your philosophy, get Agile. Um, and I would, you know, my job as a, as a, as the leader, captain of Be More Pirate is um, to form a relationship with you so that we have a dialogue, a mutual dialogue, not one where I'm like, this is Be More Pirate. This is how to be pirate. I'm as much informed by the people in our network as they are by me. Um, it's all about continued like learning. That's how we've built, you know, the second book, the whole, the whole movement. So, and then, you know, information passes more effectively through lines of trust. So if I want to influence another group, say in education, it's so much more effective if I have a really great relationship with someone who works in that sector who gets to be more pirate and they take the message out and we just talk. Um, so it, it, do you see what I mean? It spreads differently rather than trying to broadcast to everybody at once. So that those are the two things I'd say about community. Um, the code, you talked about the, the code, the idea of the pirate code. Um, oh, I love this. Um, so the pirate code, the original, seven, circa 1700, was a series of five to ten articles or principles, well, the rules, let's say, they called them articles, that defined how the pirates would live and work together. Most pirate codes were roughly the same because it was very, they were very highly networked, so it traveled. And uh, if one crew had, you know, heard about the rule for equal pay, they obviously wanted that too. So we, so it all traveled. Um, and so when you, when we talk about the pirate code, it is, it is historically kind of one quite set thing. And then you'd see that certain crews added on a specific rule for just for their crew. Um, but bringing it into sort of the 21st century, what we found as Be More Pirate was published that people began writing their own pirate codes and sending them to Sam and I. Um, and, was really, and so I, uh, over time, began to understand how this could work for modern business. And there's a few key principles I'd say around how you build a, a pirate code and how they also interchange with what we tend to see in organizations like um, other kinds of rules, like organizational values they might have mapped out on policies or um, kind of having a mission statement, for example. Because quite um, when you go in and you start talking to people about pirate codes, they'll go, oh, we've got that, we've got that. But too often those things are vanity projects that are designed by only a small group of people, either you know um, the creative team or the leadership team. And then they're kind of imposed upon everyone else. Or there's some kind of very um, tokenistic kind of input into that, but really we know that it's it's defined by the people at the top because they are the people in charge of the vision. Um, and I think it's okay to a degree to have some people decide the vision, but when it comes to a, co a code is operational. A code is about how you translate what you stand for and what you're about into day-to-day -day practices and behaviors. And that can only be action by everyone. You can't have this huge gap between you know what they say at the top and what's happening on the ground or at least that's where you get a lot of incongruence mistrust tension and people kind of go i really hate working here and i don't really know why so um you so that so the, the code's about closing that gap it's about closing the gap between good intention and, and the reality um and you need everyone's input into that and that's where the, what the pirates did they had a diff, the difference between governance and government government is what most organizations follow, um, you know, based probably on what nation states do, where they largely impose the law on everyone. Um, 
and government governance where you know everyone has input and buy-in and there's a degree of self-management self-organization um to put it broadly and that's what i'm always aiming for like that's the guiding north star i think of a be more pirate approach to creating a code is it's not actually the rules themselves it's how you create them you've got to have buy-in from everyone i think these ideas are becoming more more mainstream and i think yeah. it's for all the reasons we've just discussed you know i think people are becoming disillusioned with the powers that be and being continually failed repeatedly failed right and it's exactly you know i didn't want to get into the current situation because it is wait 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 can pretty, i clarify pretty, pretty, pretty can, I, can, I, can i clarify is this the word meeting because if it is i can go get some beers uh, to be honest you can always get beers i mean this is this these are my favorite type of conversations they absolutely are because <laughs> you know the, the 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 importance of this stuff so you know like you were talking there about you know flexing and you know earlier you talked about kind of acting right so i think the power of this stuff is you know you've actually you've got to act there's no there's no place for inaction because inaction is you know it's ineffective but as well as acting and flexing you've got to be all in right so if you really believe in something there's going to be a serious amount of conviction because otherwise what are you going to achieve or well, what's your what's your thought on that or have, I, or have i overcooked that um depends what you mean by all in Mm. I think that if you really believe in something, no matter what you do, you're going to come back to it eventually. You kind of circle back to go, well, this is my purpose. And, and I think what I've noticed from the community and them trying to enact small mutinies and rebellions over time, whether it's usually in the workplace and doing as much as they can possibly do within that sphere, that people do go through periods where they, they give up or they burn out for a bit. Um, and I have, and sometimes people will come and say, like, I just don't think that this is for me. Like, I, I think it's too hard and nothing is going to change. And I just, but, uh, but most of the time, what happens is they just require some time to rest. Like, rest is such a huge thing for activists or activism in any kind. And I use activism in a really broad term because I think it can, you know, it can make you just think of protest and quite shouty action when actually it's, it's, um, it can be all kinds of things. But, really pushing against the status quo all the time is, is mentally exhausting. So they just need that time off to um, heal or, rec or recuperate in some way. And then and they almost always come back to it because when your purpose is, when you've done that work of really figuring out your inner compass, as I like to call it, <laughs> cut to use marine terminology, but um, you, you, you know, you know, you know which direction you're going in. Um, so I would just say that all in, I think all, you're all in in your heart. But the action doesn't have to be all in. That's a risk. And I, I, read, um, I read a statistic from a guy who I'm hopefully going to be doing a bit of work with on the concept of constructive disobedience, one of my favorite things. He said that if when somebody goes too far, too fast with their rebellion, their mutiny, whatever, um, and the rule that they break, they almost never ever do anything again. I, I thought that was astounding. So the, the need to approach challenging whatever you want to challenge with a degree of um, uh, risk management in that you've gone, I know that this is worth doing, but I'm going to push it as far as is tolerable for me in the situation. And I'm going to have looked at it in such a way that I know I'm not, not nothing that happens as a result of this is going to cost me anything too dear. That, and that's not to say I, I disagree with um, some of the actions that people are taking when it when it really is needed to really you know be arrested. That sometimes that is the only way forward. But if we're talking about what we're I think we're talking about, which is how do we activate many many more people to feel that they've got permission and agency and that there is a possibility for a, a different kind of future, then they have they have to be able to participate. And it's not realistic to ask everyone to go all in on like the highest level of action. And I'm actually doing a, I'm doing a workshop on Sunday for a code building workshop with some, some scientists around climate change. And it's such a big topic of conversation. Um, you know, what, how much is enough? How, how, how purist do we have to be? If we know the facts, do we, do we have to go that far? And I think it's a, yeah, it's an interesting, 
question. That was, uh, yeah. that was fab, fab to hear your reflections there, actually. That, that helped me a lot, actually, because I, I've been thinking about that. So, yeah, I think you, yeah, you've got to be, yeah, sort of deliberate and purposeful, but still tactical. So, you know, kind of... I think pirates were tactical. Yeah. yeah. They spent a lot of time in Tortuga, drinking and other things. Other, other things that ended in... <laughs> 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 reading <laughs> reading and writing yeah that's why black sails are so interesting <laughs> oh, i love black sails can we can we move it along a little bit so sam's framework hmm. the five r the five r's five r's <laughs> <laughs> i did that yeah. yes um yeah. So reorganize, right? This was kind of puzzling me. So this whole idea of, you know, collaborate to achieve scale rather than growth. Mm -hmm. So I think that's quite a subtle thing there. Help, help me out here a little bit for the benefit of our audience. Go, go and explain that a little bit more because I think mm -hmm. that's quite important. Well, first, I actually just like to say that I don't, I don't actually agree with everything in Sam's chapter stuff. on reorganize. This is the beauty. Mutiny, people, you heard it here. This is the beauty of our Be More Pirate approach. Make sure Sam um, listens to this. Yeah, he yeah. knows. He knows. First your thing he's like, your work, I don't your work, Yeah, your work's pish, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it I think it, it was a good it's um a really great um point to make people think about. I don't think the uh, I don't think the example of um you know Airbnb and Uber and things not Uber, he uses in it. Um, you know, that's the beginning, I think, of a reorganized society, but I don't think it's the end goal. And look, it's been co-opted by capitalism again, okay? Um, or, uh, you know, a, a version of capitalism that is, you know, still, prof you know, a certain amount of people profit. So I, it, it's not that he's wrong. It's more that it's just, it's not the complete end point. And, um, and that's a big question you ask because, there's, a, there's such a raging debate about growth, isn't there? I, I, I've been in this a couple, a couple of days ago. Whether can growth ever be good? You know, is there a, there's a version of growth. There's a version of growth that, um, if we're growing economies that support environmental regeneration, are they? Uh, you know, is growth good in those circumstances? Scotsman saying no. Gro growth within in the current system that we economy that we operate in is it absolutely impossible but the debate would be is growth possible if, if that was different if we were had completely renewables or we had you know in a different different situation i don't know i mean it's an intellectual kind of like semantic argument to a degree but you know semantics do matter again when we go back to the idea of storytelling and how you convey this to a wider group like people latch on to this like growth is bad growth is good so i'm just cautious of that as a as one point um because it's very much in Be More Pirate pitted that you know growth isn't good, and he, Sam takes from Frederick Lalu, who said you know um, growth. I think it's growth for growth's sake is cancer. Um, on something I'm paraphrasing, um, but I do you know the idea that of, of using collaboration to achieve scale. This is something that you know we don't do very much or very well. Um, in a competitive economy, most organizations that have the same goal do not pool resources in order to um, achieve the same thing, which would, in theory, we should be doing. But it, it seems to elude people that, that how, how, how you go about this. Um, so, but the pirates did, they, you know, they, they did um, work together collaboratively if they had to, uh, had a co common enemy or a common goal in a way that was, you know, more networked and dynamic than the establishment would have done. Um, so part of it is a perception of seeing seeing the common goals and working out how you can cross resources. I just think that we're not set up to be able to do that very easily in most kind of structures. Um, I give, do give a couple of examples in the second book of where I think people have attempted that and I can see more companies building equity models because they recognized and they built on the pirate principle that if you you if you give people something to invest in um that is part of the whole then 
um, you know, as collaborators, not as employees, then you can kind of create an affiliation or an association with the the with the brand or company. Yeah. Um, Comes yeah. back to your point about yeah, getting buy-in, isn't it? So it's like a co-creation piece. People get involved, they have the emotional connection, and you know, they they, they feel like their ideas are valued and can help shape something. I actually was I was actually talking about this earlier. Like I did a I did a talk at a conference uh, earlier today, and some of the same sort of ideas in the context of certain styles of leadership have been talking a lot about social leadership and the role that that plays and how we can take some of the, you know, the, the sort of behaviours that are associated with social leaders and put them to great effect in helping enterprises really, you know, um, progress and not just survive, but thrive within the, the kind of social age we're in. I want to ask a question now. I do a lot of community work, right? And, um, and, and build communities and meet people and talk to people and some of them are social and some of them are physical and... Oftentimes I run about um, uh, yeah, a common interest, yeah. Um, but the malignant narcissists have worn me down. How do you handle that? Malignant narcissists, wow. All the time. <laughs> nice question. I've never, been in a I've never been in a community that hasn't had one. That's yeah. I, think, I, think, I think we all know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Let's look at toxicity. There's, there's a kind of I like to think everyone's up there, we're having a good community, everyone's dancing away, and then someone does something that just kills a vibe. That 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 kind of that kind of malignancy I'm talking about. Um the the thing that you know, so in a community setting where you're you know you're trying to create a good environment, um you would hundred percent have a code or some kind of community behavioral guidelines so that it's very clear to everybody and to that person that that is an acceptable behavior because you've, you've, and if you haven't, if, if it happens and you haven't got that in the, in a code or some kind of behavioral guidelines, that's a, a really useful situation to arise because then you can write it into your code and be like, right, we never want that behavior again. So now we, we adapt that. I think you can create certain roles within the community as well that are there on the lookout for that sort of behavior and kind of um, almost act as like a, a, a uh, and say like a guardian or a safety point you know the idea of the pirate crew I always like to think of situational leadership so having one person each time that is w willing to step up into that role and step down so it's not something that you're always that person but people can do it each time just to make sure it stays a nice a non-toxic place um the, the place where it's harder is it's when it's in in the workplace and that person is the boss and nobody can do anything about it because they're in charge of your team or um, for whatever reason, they're... Your bonus. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's just a lot harder to, to feel that you can um, disrupt that. But what I've, one thing I did um, see happen, which I thought was quite interesting, um, in terms of taking somebody's poor behaviour... Or let's say, you know, this dep depends on what it is, but somebody who's typically tends to be very dominant, very um, arrogant, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, likes the, likes the sound of their own voice, likes, the, likes uh. to their own power. Uh. And so, but rather than, but this is a really, because this is a really key role of, uh, <laughs> um, of rather than that people get that power, by you know pushing it downwards onto the team, they go you know I'm going to dominate this, and um, how can you get them to turn it outwards somewhere else? So there is a there is an equivalent of them in another place, whether it's in the board, uh, another competitor organization. So if somebody wants to feel the sense of their own power, just find a way to persuade them to turn it in a different direction. Don't, don't think that you can change them because you probably can't. So that- char, char, Channel it to good effect. Now, I, I left you a fitting answer there that you could have just easily picked because I think every organization should have a plank. <laughs> the best thing the pirates got was the plank. At some point, it's join the crew or walk the plank. You're like- Marine. Maroon them, good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a better analogy. See, Scott, 
See? Sorry to put my 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 spoon on it, but I just watched recently a video that CGP Grey made. It, it, it was about pirates, and he has like these two parts that that is from the the one that handles the ledger and the captain, and he he explains a lot of the rules and the code that that he has around it. It's based on a book that it's called uh, The Invisible Hook, and that and and all that part it was about. Uh, how the captain uh, wasn't a role per se in 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 that, but the all the crew would select the captain, and they can also overthrow the captain if he was doing a a, a very bad job. Uh, the the only the only moment that the captain was safe, quote unquote, was uh, during battle because you cannot change the captain. There is no democracy part during the battle. But yeah. I I believe that. A lot of the same ways of the pirates, it was because you, uh, they knew that even if you were the boss, the captain, uh, you could not show these narcissistic parts because they could overthrow you anytime. And instead, you have all these bosses and all these uh, people that uh, are very toxic for the culture, but you cannot overthrow them with democracy in most of the workplaces. Yeah. Yeah, that's essentially really well explained the captain the quartermaster were equals and the court and the captain could always be voted out the, 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 i introduce that into every single organization i go into and be like oh what would it be like if you could vote your manager out jokingly but not really idea i mean it would be take a radical organization to semco has um, been doing that for years so semco in brazil um yeah they, SEMCO, yeah yeah they, they, your bonuses are set by your leader yeah. yeah, or, or no, your, your ability to achieve the bonuses are usually done by having someone who could lead the team to get the team there. So the team, yeah, the team do vote that one. Yeah, that, they're on the cusp of you know the most progressive, radical rethinking of organisations. Amazing. Uh, I mean, and yes, and yes, that that movement is growing. But what we're talking two thousand companies in the world compared to millions. Mm. So I have this argument with a friend a lot of the time about how much the uh, the progressive self-management movement is, is growing and, and he thinks it is, and I think it is, but fractionally. <laughs> so um, you've got to get one of the really, the big, a big name on board first. I mean, I think I read something recently, you know, if you look at Facebook, no, there is nobody who has more power than Mark Zuckerberg. In yeah. within his own company i mean he's got he sits on the board and has 60 percent, i think of the the votes and and uh i'm paraphrasing because i haven't got this to, this this quote to hand that i just read but um that's i mean you know that is literally the opposite of what yeah. a pirate organization would be um, no. and they and they are in some respects seen as a as a, a very modern company um it, you know, I, I, that's why I find it distressing when people say they're innovative, because yeah, no, I don't say you know, technology that. doesn't equate to innovation. Regus, regus, regus. Don't say anything about Zuckerberg, right? Or the podcast will never be listened to. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of touched on this, Alex, but I, I, I think it'd be great to to get your perspective on this in this in this call um, and to our listeners' movements, right? So you're your chapter um, in the book, um, I think it's called like starting a movement, I think it's called, isn't it? Making a movement. Making a movement. Mm -hmm. So in your chapter, in your view, what does it truly take for a community to become a movement? What does that look like? You know, what does that really mean when, you, yeah. when you've made that transition? I think it'd be great to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because um, and I'm not sure I have an answer for it necessarily because I, I I'm frequently annoyed by how much movement is tossed around uh, by things that I don't think are really a movement. Um, you know, <laughs> I think in my in my definition, uh, I would say that a movement moves things so for me a movement has to change something um and i think you know i've compiled evidence to suggest that being a pirate has changed things in in places that, that where it's really mattered hence i feel comfortable calling it a movement rather than a, a network or a community 
I think a network and a community is more about connection and, and creating a sense of belonging, which is great and needed and, and, and is probably the precursor to, to, to action and, move, and it being a movement. So I think it's that point where you can say it's moving into something that, that you know, creates change and not, you know, change happens all the time, okay? So I'm sure that within a network, individuals do things, but it's about collective action, about doing things together. Um, so I think that that's another key thing of, of people um, banding together around the, the philosophy of the, the movement or the, um, and really using that as the fuel for their action, as opposed to, yeah, having a network or community where you, you like the idea, but you don't really use it. Um, I mean, I'm t using very loose definition here, but. I, I mean, I just genuinely wanted to, to, to hear your, your thought and see how you would articulate that. And I think you've, I think you've said a lot of things up. Yeah, it makes sense to me, and it's nice to hear the way you're thinking about it. Because I think I think it is a it's a difficult thing to to yeah to to kind of really understand, and I do kind of struggle with it. And I'm the same as you. I, I hear a lot of people that people want to start a movement. Well, it's a movement. You're like, but is it though? Yeah. So that's, that's that's kind of where I am. No, that's great. No, fantastic. But then I, I you know, in fairness to places, I do think if they've got a smaller community but things are actually happening, then they, they could call it a movement. Um, I think there's got to be a really, I think there's gonna be something compelling about a movement that you can, um, attack, you know, create a set. I to my, my mind, a network, you could transactionally join, right? So you could just sign up, tend a meetup and you're in this network. Whereas a movement has more emotion behind it. It has something compelling that will will bring everyone in behind an idea. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't really buy it when brands say we've got a movement <laughs> too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, great, great, I like it. Can I, change, can I change direction a little bit? So be, be more um, pirate movement. What's your biggest regret? My biggest regret? Mm. No, my biggest regret was when we had this really cool <laughs> meetup in a, in a uh, warehouse in London that I didn't provide better instructions as to how to get there. I think people gave up halfway, it was really <laughs> hidden. <laughs> um, I don't really have many regrets other than that um, because oh, I believe I believe in the journey. I, I, I have completely, completely adjusted my worldview to stop obsessing about perfection and milestones and recognize that the journey is the kind of, it's cheesy, but the journey is the destination. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I'm in the same. I'm in the same headspace. No, I, I concur. Yeah. Seth, and I, Seth and I more or less took Christmas off and didn't do anything oh. and messaged each other and said, "We're not doing anything just now." It's like, well, last year I think we all did too much. Did so too even much. just even even just like taking some time, lie on the beach in Tortuga, think about what we're going to attack next. <laughs> yeah. I do. I regret slightly not doing maybe a little bit more promotion when our book came out just but I was exhausted and it was a pandemic mm. and I was really just oh, yeah. I, how, I don't think I had it had any more juice in me but mm. you know looking back I think oh I think a lot of us have still gone in 2022 and you know we had really difficult 2021s and to your point Alex I think you know for a lot of us the tank still empty or there's certainly not enough fuel in it because that's how I feel right now to be honest yeah, absolutely the next question physical connection so we lost that during the pandemic right yeah. I we had a meetup in Edinburgh and it was really nice just to see people and there was only about six seven people and it was the first one we'd had in a year um, and that was really really important to me just just to get back to seeing people and I wonder if the fact that I'm tired and tired of last year it's all the online activities. I know we're online just now, but uh, but yeah, how has the Be More Pirate movement and uh, kind of your your kind of leadership been influenced by uh, separation? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's two sides to this coin. Um, there is the fact that, of course, real life um, connection. I just think. I think physicality is hugely important. If you're building a community, being able to see and hear people in real life, you can't really, you know, you can't really exchange that, I don't think. Um, and 
I know lots of people in our community have missed it. You know, there's a whole chapter on rehumanizing work and the, the events people in real. Having said that, it's so much more inclusive. You know, we can include people in meetups all around the world. We've had I've had so many more people through this. Um, so that's been really good. And I'm, I sort of kicked myself as, and maybe another regret why I didn't do more online meetups alongside um, real life ones before that. However, on the flip side, on the, if we're talking about rule breaking and pirate philosophy, it is harder to, it, it's easier to break rules when you're not in physical proximity to people who are maintaining rules. So, um, you know, people have reported, well, you know, now that I'm working from home all the time, yes, it is monotonous and boring and this Zoom drains my energy, but I've got my more agency. No one's looking over my shoulder. I don't feel the presenteeism. I don't feel the, um, you know, I can go for those walks at lunch. I can, I've actually exercised for the first time. And people have recognized something which I, is a real rule for me when I've got my own personal code. Um, and this will be, I think, the big paradigm shift in, in work. That energy is a more important currency than time. So we've organized everything around time and we, sh and we need to stop and we need to organize it around energy. So that is a very personal thing. And that is why, you know, it doesn't fit into the kind of mechanistic machine mind organization thinking. It's more holistic. But I, when I've done some, um, some uh, workshops, you know, when we can go into depth, I encourage people to do a bit of an energy audit of themselves. You know, do you know personally how what your your Zoom limitations are, or things that uplift you, things that really drain you? And sometimes it's really sneaky stuff. Um, trying to meet someone's expectations all the time, maybe a particular person that you're close to, is draining. Cool. All right. Thank you very, thank you very much. It's been a really enjoyable uh, podcast episode. Yeah, Alex, thank you very much. And if people want to find you and your work, where can they do that? Yes, um, you can go to bemorepirate.com. That's the main website for Be More Pirate. Um, and it's the same at Be More Pirate on um, social media. I also have my own website, which I recently revamped, um, which is just alexbarker.co.uk. So there's a bit more about myself and the various threads of work I'm doing uh, on there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I've got lots of exciting projects in the pipeline for 2022, really going to try and grow and um, not grow scale, be more pirate, um, predominantly through collaborative partnerships, actually. So I, I hope to give you a bit more on that in six months time. Um, so really, yeah, some really exciting things and, uh, one of the interesting projects that landed on our lap in December. You know, these things come out of the blue, they're mental. There's one brilliant guy who's a theater director who's going to run an interactive tech-based uh, pirate version of Macbeth wow. on the Golden Hind <laughs> ship. He's like, I'm disrupting theater, I'm disrupting Shakespeare, and, uh, and it, looks, it looks like it's gonna be really good, mm. um, so I'm, and it's directly inspired by Be More Pirate. So we, I'm going to be spreading word about that. No, I don't want to wish you ill, but you're supposed to call it the Scottish play. And we're back, Mr. Singh. So how you thought... <laughs> what do you, you think about the episode? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, big fan, big fan of Alex. Uh, you know, right back from when... Scott and I met her. Uh, she was in Edinburgh uh, doing a talk at uh, Edinburgh University on the theatres. And, you know, it was, meant be, it was meant to be Sam doing the talk. And kind of we went along that evening to hear from Sam. And Sam could make it. And, you know, Alex stepped in and she was fabulous, you know. And, yeah, I was really blown away by how articulate she is. Um, and again, that, you know, that, that really came through when, you know, she was chatting to us. And I find she's very considered in her in her responses and her answers and what she says I, I tend to find it it's very deep it's very sort of profound a lot of the time and um yeah she, she always provokes thought for me so yeah I thought that was brilliant and I think yeah yeah again you know I'm Scott I'm sure Scott would have said similar things would he bother to actually join us you know <laughs> but um yeah I think yeah I think she's great and she, she really gets community you know because 
as you said in the intro, and, and Alex talked about you know throughout the conversation, she'd taken the sort of the be more pirate you know whole, whole thing and you know Sam's idea, and she'd you know created the, this community off of you know his work, and then turned it into this movement. And it was Fab, you know, talking to her about you know what's the difference between a network and a, a community, and what is it that truly makes that movement, which has always fascinated me, and I, I thought her answer was. Was really good. It's really great, and you know, she talked about other things that that really speak to me. That you know, things I'm interested in around you know the emotional connection. We've already talked about in our previous episodes. Um, the whole you know the the importance of powerful storytelling. So again, that's something I believe in. Something I've also you know talked about myself. Um, and you know, she 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 referred to Scott and I as as, as captains as well. You know, she was talking about this idea um, of you know. Kind of cruise and a fleet, and yeah, it was it was just it was just excellent, you know. I think she's she's great at what she does, and she's very passionate about the Be More Pirate um, movement, you know, the, the kind of ethos and the you know the the whole the whole part of the conversation about code, right, and the importance of code, but how the code translates into into something within an organization, which is really more about you know code of conducts and people behave and it's really the thing that's going to help define your culture so you know that's some of that stuff she was talking about i think yeah it's just it's excellent yeah yeah that, it was brilliant the thing that i joined the most it was to hear her just to with all the pirate lingo like the planks mm. and the captains and the codes and 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 just to hear that in a in a more modern it's something that you don't hear that much and i think it creates more more of a movement kind of thing and i i absolutely love that and because we don't have any questions from the audience right now and scott's not here so here's he's not gonna be able to tell us his story of how he was chief pirate in the agile 20 reflect and something mm. like that but how how is it that that you incorporated the be more pirate approach to your daily life to your work and how you're a a, a rebel a pirate in that in that sense that's good, good, good question, actually. Yeah, you're right. So when we were doing Agile 20 Reflect, yeah, he was the he was the chief pirate because you know he 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 took on that that role because again he he was he was passionate about what we were trying to do and you know he kind of outlined that vision. Um and it's the same, you know, in in the workplace. So you know, a lot of the initiatives I lead, I'm creating visions for things, and then I am um, socializing those visions and getting people to kind of co-create them with me or challenge them and help me make them better and again exactly to what alex was saying a lot of the time it's it's through the communication mechanism the strength of the communication and a lot of a lot of my working week i'm actually just you know creating narrative i'm, I'm thinking of the best ways to communicate ideas into in some cases very large communities in, in my in my global enterprise. So that's how it translates for me. And also that status quo piece, you know, challenging when things are not as good as they could be, or you know, the most dangerous phrase most of us will ever hear in the workplace is, well, this is how we've always done it. Right? Uh, and I think that's where the, the pirate mentality and the you know the, the desire to change and you know be a corporate rebel and, you know, well, constructively object, you know, is, 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 is a great thing. And we need more of that in the, in the world. You know, we talked, we talked about some great examples, didn't we? And Alex and Scott were talking about Semco. How many Semcos are there out there? As Alex said, not, not very many. Well, and, and and just to finish off, if you had a plank, who would walk that plank? That's easy, Boris Johnson. <laughs> okay, I think I think before we we go into politics, this is a great place to to end up the the episode. So thank you very much, Seth, to be here. We say hello to Scott and we thank very much Alex for her incredible conversation. If you haven't, please 
read her book, How to Be More Pirate. And just, Mr. Singh, why don't you finish off us and tell us where they can find the podcast, where they can uh, find our conversations with Rocio Briseño that we had in our last episode and where they can find you. Yeah, well, we've, we've got our we've got a number of channels through which um, everyone can reach us now. So yeah, you'll find us on LinkedIn, you'll find us on Twitter, um, in communities. Um, you can also email us. We'll put all this stuff in the in the show notes. And as we said, um, we always welcome feedback. You know, we're very much looking forward to you know another year ahead and learning lots about you know the, the various flavors of community. Um, do give us feedback if you have any. Is anybody you'd really like us to speak to? We'd be delighted to hear your suggestions and then we'll go out and we'll initiate a conversation. Uh, we might even know them, which will make it a little bit easier. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and um, hope we'll see you again. Uh, stay safe, folks. And that was this was Bacon Community with Singing and Severite and with your producer, Matt. Making Community is produced by Mauricio Vera. The hosts are Sathpal Singh and Scott Saveright. The views and opinions expressed by the participants are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the companies and organizations they happen to work for. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you in a community dear to you next time. I've got a controversial t subject we'll keep to the end and we might not include. <laughs> we, should, we should definitely have the conversation and we should probably include it. <laughs> um,